It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond and Brian Austin here. And this week on the phone, we've got Tiger head football coach, Barry Odom going to talk a little bit about the 2017 season, which, believe it or not, is almost here. Barry, how you doing today? Doing great. Uh, thanks for, for having me on and, and uh, happy to be with you guys and, and respect the job that y'all do and have done for, for a long time. So it's uh, amazing you get to the, the latter part of June and, and uh, reporting date and, and uh, getting the season started kind of staring us in the face. So anxious to uh, – to get back going for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at it a couple days ago and thought, oh, my God, I now have to count SEC media days in a number of days, not weeks. Uh, I know no coach ever feels like there's enough time before the season, but uh, you guys all kind of ready to get it going? Yeah, the thing that, that really, uh, for, for me and our staff, since you know since Thanksgiving of, of last year, you know, it set a, a plan and, and uh, in motion and, and uh, to, to work towards all the different aspects of, of what this program needs to be, you know, to become better in every area and a lot of self-evaluation and a lot of evaluation of, uh, you know, obviously on, on both sides of the ball and recruiting and, and all the, the moving parts that go along with uh, the functioning and running of a program. Um, it's been very, very productive. I like uh, where our team is uh, today and uh, we've made a lot of ground up in a short amount of time. With just a shorter period of time here before before the season gets going, Coach Odom, um, what I mean, ha, how are you uh, getting the guys to kind of focus in and, and and start looking at that that the season's right here? How, how do you work with them? How do you get them to kind of pull it together now after the the, the spring and the summer and, and focus in on getting ready for that season? Well, the great thing is is they're uh, they've all been here since really the the Tuesday after Memorial Day. Um, and Coach Cutchlow and his staff have had the guys uh, in in the weight room and then on the field in uh, skills and drills and, and doing different football movements on the field and running and conditioning. And then you know, we've got it allotted where we got an opportunity as a coaching staff to spend a little bit of time with them each week. Uh, they passed that a couple of years ago, NCAA-wise, that you can uh, do some things, classroom work. So, uh, we've been able to get into our, our installation. We've been able to get into, um, you know, when we hit the field on, on August 1st, we're going to have, um, we'll be in, in, uh, in a position that, that all the things that we're going to do the first couple of weeks of the fall camp, with what we've already been through the install, uh, we'll be ready to go. And, and also, you know, it's important that, that you take the time, uh, that, that they, they do their, they're all taking six summer school hours. I mean, advancing their degrees, and then you get a chance with with the newcomers that are on campus to to have an opportunity to spend some extra time with them and getting them ready to go uh, on on August first. Kind of a two part question for you here. First part was was the job in year one different or harder than you anticipated it would be? And part two is, and you've talked about this a little bit in the past, but what were the things that you learned that think make you a better coach in year two? Well, things have, you know, and I don't, I don't know if slowed down is the right word, but it's, um, um, experience has helped me. No, no questions. Um, you know, the, the thing with, uh, and I feel, feel very strongly about our leadership now, 
with with Jim Sturck. I mean, that was obviously a change and a surprise last uh, last July. Uh, you know, the the night before the the uh, SEC media day when when Mac decided to uh, leave, and and uh, so there's a lot of different things that went on. Um, and but none of that really mattered. I didn't do a good enough job coaching this that team last year and getting them in position to to go win enough games. Um, you know, we've got. Uh, an opportunity with a number of guys back on both sides of the ball, new guys on campus. Um, I, I feel better about our coaching staff. Um, you know, I feel better about offensively and defensively year two in you know the the system offensively. You know, we were able to expand the offense a little bit as the season went on last year, but where they are today compared to where they were last year. Um, you know, it looks like we're in year two of, of the same system and same terminology and understanding how it works. And I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about defensively the guys we have coming back. I'm excited about um, what we're doing and asking our guys to do from a scheme standpoint. So, um, you know, the air is a little cleaner and uh, things have slowed down a little bit. And obviously, we've got a long ways to go. But um, I, I like the leadership um, I like our locker room. The seniors have done an outstanding job. There's guys that want to be at the University of Missouri, and there's guys that want to do things right every day of the week and bust their tail to be the best they can be and uh, represent this state the right way. You mentioned uh, the newcomers a couple times. Uh, the 2017 class, most of them are on campus, got their beginning of June. Just how are they kind of fitting in with the with the returning players and are there I know you haven't been working with them a lot probably but is there anybody that's standing out early on in the in the summer workouts you know collectively as a group I'm excited uh, you know one of the the greatest things in my opinion that we've done in 17 months is our recruiting department led by uh, AJ Afadale and, and Austin Carter Samuels have, have taken really that um, that area of our of our program and and really have have taken it to another level um, they've done such an awesome job on number one, evaluating number two, really getting the fit for what we want culturally within this program. Now, Mizzou's not going to be for everybody. Um, but we've also targeted a lot, a lot of really, really high level guys and we're in on them across the country. And not only are they great football players, but they like ball and they like to, to go compete. They're really good students and they're leaders on their team and they're interested in the University of Missouri and Mizzou football for the right reasons. And uh, I'm excited about that. They kind of will show up when you watch this new coming, the newcomers this year, uh, watching them work out. You see how they react when they've got some time off on the things that they want to do. They want to be around the office. They want to learn more. They want to do more. Uh, and combine that with last year's class. So I think we played 10 true freshmen. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun watching those guys. Our 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 older guys, our vets on the team, have done a, a great job on on showing them our, our expectations and uh, leading and guiding them through uh, the summer so far. And uh, you know it's hard. I don't I don't care if you're from six miles down the road or or 16 hours. There's going to be some homesick uh, guy. That that always happens. And it, you know that's it doesn't matter how great or or not great your home life was. There's you know, it's everything when it's new, it's it's difficult at times. Uh, but we've embraced those guys and, and got a chance to, to be a really special class. 
Barry, from what we've been able to figure out, you got three guys in that class who aren't yet on campus. Uh, and, and look, we don't look to air academic dirty laundry or anything, but can you give uh, give us an idea with Duran Davis and a couple of JUCO kids, kind of where things stand and, and if you anticipate having those guys before fall camp starts? Yeah, and the junior college guys are finishing up uh, one one class. Will really be finished before you know be finished in in July. Um, there's not an opportunity to get them here um, because classes have already started second session. You know, for for us, once they're going to be finished up, so they'll be here ready to go uh, the first day of camp and excited about what they can can help us do. And then Duran's uh, finishing up uh, a couple summer school courses trying to uh help help his situation so um you know obviously we get those guys here the sooner the better um but also know that that uh we're in in great communication with them on uh the things that they need to do to get here and and also you know you're able to have communication about uh what's going on here and and they're all in contact with with most of our team anyway this because of the relationships that they've developed over the year uh, so, um, ready to get them here. Hopefully, it happens uh, sooner than than uh, later. Coach, you mentioned uh, the, the changes made to the recruiting office and the work that Coach Afadle had done and Austin Carter Samuels. Just part of the change it's, um, has gone from regional recruiting, which I know you still do a little bit, but it seems like there's a lot more positional recruiting with your position coaches recruiting guys that they'll coach. Uh, if if you land that player, what what kind of went into that idea to to maybe make that change? Well, we did um, a little bit more of that when I was at Memphis, and it made perfect sense to me uh, that not only you know geographically we all have areas we're responsible for, but but maybe even more important than that is the relationship. Uh, in my opinion, relationship that a that a position coach can develop uh, with the kid that he's possibly going to coach and the high school coach and and whoever the parent or guardian is. Um, I just want those guys and, and our assistants uh, by position to take an active role and, and uh, want them to uh, make the connection with the kid because you know, there's a, a recruiting coach in the geographic area that, that can sign a guy and you know we, we've once once they get here, uh, well here's now here's your position coach. Uh, there's a balance there, but you know we're, we're always going to uh, make sure that we include the position coach. And now they're taking more lead uh, in in most situations by position, uh, just because I think that helps more long term. One more on recruiting, and then we kind of want to get into next season. But uh, it, we could probably do like an hour long podcast just on this, and I could do thirty minutes of it on why I don't think the the early signing period really has changed a whole lot. But just your overall thoughts, and, and my thought is, okay, you moved it up two months, you're going to have some kids that sign, but people that say, well, this will change all the – this will eliminate all the switching in January, no, it won't. It's just going to move it to November. I, am I wrong there? No, I think I think you're exactly right. And, and really before um, – you know, I've got lots of opinions on it, and, and – you you would take thirty minutes, and I I would take an hour and thirty of the of the hour we're allotted on on this topic. But I, there's so many things that we need to consider and look at, and I you know obviously um, align with with what the what our conference policies are and thoughts and and beliefs are on it. And I think that we're moving things forward. Um, you know, there's there's if you really look at how now the calendar lies, you know I I'm okay with an early signing date. I understand that. <laughs> Excuse me, but I I don't understand 
having an opportunity to have an official visit in April, May, or June of a prospect's junior year. They're still they're still in their sixth semester. Trans- I mean, they've got they've got work to do academically. Uh, you're taking a kid away from spring sports. There's five chances there that he's going to be away from his team going into his senior year. Um, and also the two first two weeks in April, we're, you're not even allowed to be on the road yet recruiting. You can't have contact with the kid anyway. As a junior, you can only evaluate. So potentially you're going to bring a kid on campus for an official visit that you haven't – the head coach for sure uh, hasn't been in the school because you can't go spring recruiting as a head coach. And also the assistant coaches can't have contact with them because it's not a contact period. So there's lots of things that I think will probably be adjusted as we get through this. Um, but we've got, you know, um, an opportunity to, to get guys uh, on campus for, you know, official visits during, during uh, home contests, which we've always done that. Uh, that will be a more important part of probably our recruiting cycle now than it ever has been before. But also I think you're going to get – um, you know, a couple of guys that will sign in in the early signing period, and then and then still there's going to be guys that wait. I mean, there's if you look at the coaching changes made, you know, after that first signing date, I mean, that's going to affect a whole bunch of guys. So right. uh, there's so many factors that go into it. Um, maybe you need to slow down just a little bit and uh, evaluate it. We'll see how it goes here the the first year, and uh, we'll be very very aggressive in in trying to get as many guys as we can at the right time, uh, whether that's going to be in December or, or, or February, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. And uh, I know there's, there's lots of uh, opinions and, and conversation about it. And, I mean, obviously just with your situation, I think you got the job here on December 3rd. So there would have been a ton of kids who were, were committed to Gary Pinkle and then in a week and a half would have had to decide Am I ready to sign with Barry Odom? Uh, the NCAA, ostensibly, everything they do, and I'm not, I promise I'm not looking to get you in trouble here, is designed to help the student athlete. It, it just Does the early signing period, is there a benefit to kids, or is this more of a benefit to coaches and college programs, or neither? Well, I think if you look, if you look at uh, of a kid that's been, say there's a kid uh, wherever that, that's been committed to Mizzou for, for over a year, you know, he's an early, he's an early commitment. He's always wanted to go to University of Missouri. Uh, you know, he, he would he would sign. You know, sophomore his sophomore year he would sign if he if he had the opportunity to. Those those kids, I think it helps out a great deal. If that's they know where they want to go, they don't need to see anything else, or they've seen all they want to see, and and that's where it's at. Then obviously it does help the kids. I think you know we've got to uh, we've got to be a little hesitant on for us. You better make sure academically um, that that the kids in line. Uh, if he's going to be an early signee, um, because there's limitations on, on how many you can sign also. So uh, a lot of moving parts, a lot of discussions we've had about it, and um, we've, we feel um, you know, pretty, pretty confident that uh, we'll keep uh, continuing to, to evaluate and get guys, as many guys as we can on campus for camps. And, and then we're going to have to do a great job on our official visits during, during the season. Switching gears to the uh, upcoming football season, last last year the offense was a little ahead of the defense. Uh, I think it's fair to say. Um, just kind of, who are the leaders going to be on the defense this this coming season? And and are there any changes? Is there anything going on on the defensive side of the ball to kind of ca- catch it up? Yeah, you you were trying to be nice with that comment. They weren't they weren't a little ahead of the defense. They were they were a lot. And uh, 
that's uh, you know one of the one of the things we looked at uh, hard and heavy. You know, obviously last year wasn't to anybody's expectations. Uh, really, on either side of the ball, there were times offensively that we were explosive and and scored a lot of points and did some really really good things, but we were inconsistent. Uh, so those 10 guys, those 10 returning starters we've got on that side of the ball, they need to play and have to play, and we've got to coach better than we did last year. And if they play better and a higher level and more consistent uh, than we did last year, then, then we're going to be a really, really good offensive football team. We've got a lot of pieces in place that can make that happen. Uh, coach Heupel's done a great job on using the skill sets that the guys have and putting them in position to go be successful. And there's more things coming with – with what now in year two that we're going to be able to do, and I'm excited about. And then defensively, um, you know, we've got, I think, an opportunity with a couple of guys that we signed um, and then the returning guys that we've got up front. You know, for me, forever, if you're really good up front at the defensive line spot, then you're going to have an opportunity to be uh, a really good defense. And I think we've got the pieces in place, the makings that, that we can go get that done. Um, but also, you know, the want to and the talking about it, that's not going to get it done. We've, we've got to uh, continually make a an effort to get our guys in position to go be successful. Uh, don't make it too difficult for them. Let's be able to have the ability to play fast and be uh, diverse enough that, that uh, we can we can move in and out of a lot of different looks defensively. The the scheme change defensively, personally, I think got probably much more attention than it deserved. You can correct me if – if you disagree with that, but going into this season, will you, first of all, how much changed between like game seven and eight or whatever it was last year when you kind of reverted to what you were doing when you were the defensive coordinator and then going forward this year, will it be what you were running in the last four, four games of last season? Yeah, it, it changed quite a bit and um, just techniques on how we were playing up front and um, some of the, some of the, ways we were playing our coverages uh i and and i think moving forward gabe that it that it'll uh it'll be more consistent with how we played the the last half of of the year even though that wasn't the standard you know we weren't very good still the last half of the year defensively but still um we'll we'll be um a lot more multiple defensively than than uh, we were at any point last year with the uh, everybody returning on the offensive side, you mentioned this when you're talking earlier. I mean, I guess fans just and and media and everybody probably just assumes that these guys are going to take a step forward after off season, all the work they put in and everything like that. How, I mean, what do you guys do to make sure that ha- happens? How do how does it work for the coaches? I, you can't just assume. Obviously, you're working with them all the time. How how do you ensure that they take that step forward? And and do you feel like all those guys are are, are ready to do that? Well, assuming assume is a very scary word, and uh, you know that that's uh, we had a lot of guys back last year on defense from the previous year when we were pretty good, and, and we weren't worth a damn. So, uh, doesn't really mean anything. It means to me that they've got experience. We should be a lot better. Uh, we've got to coach them uh, to get them in position to be better, play faster, play smarter, play more consistent. And then also we're throwing a lot of things at them differently uh, offensively that can improve. Uh, what we're doing uh, from our scheme. And then, you know, they've got to have uh, the burning desire to, to go be the best and not, you know, last year was great for them. They've got some experience. Okay, that's over. That will not do absolutely one thing. That's not going to help you uh, just because you've done it before. You better be ready to go do it again. So um, 
we need to go approach every day with a with a chip on our shoulder in, in every aspect of what we're doing. And uh, I, what I've seen so far offensively, um, there's not a lot of relaxing and, and sitting around drinking lemonade going on. So those, those guys are uh, getting after pretty good. Two from me on the offense. First of all, Demaria Crockett tweeted earlier this week he was uh, timed running 21.6 miles an hour. Had that technology existed in 1997, what would Barry Odom have been clocked at? What, what did Demaria say? 21.6. I would have been. I would have been at uh, at least 21.7. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, it would have just been. I, Barry, no disrespect. I watched. I watched you play. I'm not sure I saw you move 21.7 miles per you know hour. Other crazy, than the you know gator. I I was talking to a guy, uh, and they were doing a review of of uh, the 1997 team, mm-hmm. and the guy looked at me and he goes, "Yeah, we're looking at a 20 year review." And uh, I said, it's not 20 years ago. And uh, <laughs> he looked at me and said, coach. And I was like, wait a minute, quick math. It took me a couple times to get through college algebra. I can figure it. 20 <laughs> years? Come on, dude. That wasn't 20 yeah. years ago. But uh, that's where it's at. No, I wouldn't have been anywhere in the 20s. I, it, I don't know if that thing registers single digits. Uh, <laughs> I would have probably been a little closer to that. Damari's had a, a tremendous offseason. Uh, really, is, I mean, he's, he's up. I don't know. He's 230, 232, uh, a lot of explosion, a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also understands he's going to be just as good as the guys up front. And those dudes are working their tails off. And I'm really excited about having real live competition going on there. And uh, there's a lot of guys that are hungry to uh, to go be the starter. Obviously, the quarterback is the guy who gets all the attention, good or bad. Um, coming out of spring football, my impression, and and I'd be interested to see if you agree with this, is I look, Drew Locke, we all know he took a big step as far as on the field and the way he played last year, and, and just as big a step needs to happen this year. But the one thing I thought about Drew coming out of spring football – he just seemed a little more comfortable in his own skin. He he was okay. He was more okay dealing with us. He seemed like a guy who was ready for this to be his team. Do you, do you get that sense out of Drew? And that and that kind of awesome. It is. I mean, he's got a little confidence, and uh, but also he has the the attitude of of having something to to try to go prove. Um, he he is much more comfortable. Um, it's nice that he he understands. Uh, the pre-snap look, what he gets on where he needs to go with the ball, uh, with with his experience, and he's um, I'm excited about him. He, he is different. He's different in the locker room, in the weight room. Um, he's walking around like uh, like a quarterback that's that's been in the battles a little bit. That's that's awesome. We had uh, Eric Edom on for the NFL draft uh, a few months ago, back now I guess, and he mentioned Drew as a guy that. That could be a breakout performer his junior season, and you could see him maybe testing the draft waters as a as a coach. I guess we we had the impression that if he plays that well, you all would probably be pretty happy that he, he has that opportunity. How do you how do you work that double edged sword with anybody, any player, not just Drew, that you want him to succeed and have have a great year and have that opportunity to go to an NFL draft and and then just keeping him around as long as you can to to take advantage of those skills on your own team. Yeah, hell yeah. So if he has a great year and is in. In the uh, draft talks, and that means we probably had a pretty pretty good year. I want every one of my players. I want them to have the opportunity to go play football for a long time, and just like Charles Harris was this year, and just like we're going to have a whole bunch of guys in the years coming up that that will be drafted, and they're going to have the opportunity to go play ball. Uh, but I also want them to realize 
uh, how important it is to get a college degree. We're going to graduate from Mizzou. That's going to set you up for the next 40 years of your life if you do it the right way. And for them to have an opportunity not only get their diploma but have a plan on what they're going to do. But absolutely, I want them to be the best at everything that they do. And that's on the field. I want them to have a chance uh, to go play pro ball. I want them to have a chance to uh, win championships at, at Mizzou. And if it's the right time for whoever, Drew or whoever, to, to they take the next step after we gather all the information and really look at it on, on what's best for them, if it's, if it's my kid, how I'm, I'm telling them what to do and trying to assist and guide them and give them a platform in every area to be successful, if that's the right thing to do, then, then uh, let's go do it. And I'll, I'll support them uh, with everything I've got. And if it's the right choice and right opportunity, come back and maybe up that status uh, and, and help uh, you know, Mizzou continue to develop into a championship program every year, then, then let's come back and do it. So all is, is very, very healthy. Uh, conversations, great things to think about, and and great things to work towards. Just a couple more minutes here, and and I want to ask you just big picture. I understand every coach's goal is twelve and zero or fourteen and zero or whatever. The off season is so long that all of us spend time looking at all these games every every week. Well, this team's going to do this. Do you guys set a? I know Coach Pinkle always said there was like a pyramid. Hey, step one is let's get to a bowl game. Step two is the division, all that. Do you guys set a number or a specific goal going into this season, coming off four and eight, where you say, at this record, we'd be happy and this this shows we're going in the right direction? Well, more than more than anything with that, Gabe, we understand if, if we go play our best and work to improve to play our best, play our A game every week, then we're going to be in position every week uh, to win the game. And, and if we don't, if we don't prepare the right way, if we don't go through the process the way that you're supposed to, then, then we'll have a chance to, to not win every game. Um, so more than, than looking at a win total or, you know, we, um, looking really for just the entire program and, and entire, you know, offensively and defensively, you're going to hear me say consistently more than you want to. You're going to hear me say, you know, putting the team first, you're going to hear me say playing uh, as great as you can play as an individual, which will help your position and your side of the ball uh, be their best. But but also, I, I do know, we're judged on wins and losses. And at the end of September 2nd, I want to be 1-0. and And then I want to put everything that we've got into South Carolina and, and be 2-0 and at the end of that one. So, um, you know, we understand uh, our window of opportunity and we also understand that we've got a lot of work to do between now and then to be able to talk and and mention any win loss total. Let's let's uh, let's go take care of our business week by week, and and uh, at the end of that Saturday, let's be better than that opponent uh, for those three and a half hours on Saturday. Kind of circling back to to the first season, I just. You, I'm sure you've probably been asked about this before, but what what kind of maybe stood out and surprised you most about that and getting into that and and just your first year as a head coach? Anything that you totally kind of weren't expecting? Uh, I, I you're you're right. I've been asked a lot of times about that, and I think there's you know there's always going to be surprises. I think that'll go on forever. Uh, you know, think you've got a plan. Um, you know, a daily plan on what what you've got to get accomplished and what you got to get done. And obviously you're going to have things that interrupt that. So, you know, the, the adjustments through that, but I don't, I don't know of any 
just real surprises that I was like, oh, man, this is something I didn't expect at all. Uh, and then that credits Gary for, for allowing me to have the opportunity to really grow underneath him and, and be involved in so many roles that I was under his leadership. I was able to sit in his office in a, on a number of different days and, and see the, the inner workings of, of uh, things that came across his desk. And uh, he included me in a lot of stuff. So uh, I'm grateful for that and, and obviously helped me a great deal going into being a rookie coach last year. Last thing for you, Barry, we've already taken plenty of your time, but uh, and this is a lesson for any people who aspire to be media members down the road. Save the question that, y- you know, y- you know the guy doesn't really want to answer for the end. Uh, we know what happened with Nate Howard. Do you have any sort of a timetable on when everything, when when you hope to have some resolution on on what Nate's uh, opportunity will be going forward? Yeah, this for both sides of us, you know, for, for Nate and then and then for, for a football program, uh, we'll – We'll look at uh, you know not only that that situation, but it, really the entire um, entire body of work, so to speak, and you know really just have some some conversations on what he wants. I want him to be successful. I want him to graduate from college. And I want him to have a chance to to be a good football player. And uh, but also um, I've got a, a responsibility to to take care of, of this football program, and uh, we'll get back together, you know, still indefinitely suspended and uh, looking at looking at all the, the facts and, and make a decision from there. All right, Barry. Appreciate your time, and we'll uh, see you in about two and a half weeks in Hoover, Alabama. All right, guys. Can't wait. Good to visit with you. All right, thanks, thanks a lot. That is Later. head coach Barry Odom uh, heading into year two. Tried to touch on as many things as we can, and, I mean, it, we could – keep him two or three hours i don't think he'd really appreciate that (laughs) and ultimately then fans would blame us for their first loss for wasting two hours of his day uh but i don't know anything brian jump out to you um (laughs) i i mean honestly look when you're talking to a head coach especially one you've talked to every week for a year like we kind of know what the answers are right yeah it a lot of stuff that you kind of expected him to say um the idea about guys going pro early that's kind of the standard, I guess, across the college world, I would think. And I mean, it's understandable. Football is a, it's, I mean, it takes a lot to play it. It's a little bit complicated, but I mean, it's, it's not brain surgery. All this stuff's kind of things that everybody kind of has an idea of and everybody thinks they can do it. I I think that's kind of what separates the really good coaches because everybody thinks they can do it. And then there's a few guys that just for whatever reason have something where they can, go and get guys to play at a, a, a level above and the first year coach Odom wasn't able to do that but I mean that's I mean it takes a lot of guys it, a little while to figure out how to get exactly to that point yeah two things I mean a you can turn a basketball program around as we've seen in two months right you can't do that in no football not with, with all the different moving parts you're gonna play on any given Saturday 40 guys are mm-hmm. gonna see the field so you know it, it takes a minute especially when you're playing 10 true freshmen and there were some there was a little bit of a dearth of talent, more than talent. I think there were some locker room issues when Barry right. Odom took over. So he's going to need some time. But I, I, I appreciated his candor on a couple things. One, I think it's a direct quote. We weren't worth a damn on defense. Right. you know. Uh, <laughs> like, look, we all knew that. But it, it's nice to hear a coach say that as opposed to, well, we got better. Did they get better the last four weeks? Well, he even I, said it. At, I don't know, man. I was at that Tennessee game, and to me, that was the worst one of all of them. He said it. Even after the change, they weren't that mm-hmm. good. So, uh, 
there's a lot of work for them to do on that side of the ball. If they could just get up to a point where they're respectable on defense, yeah. if the offense yeah. makes the steps. But it's like we said last year. Right. If they could just be respectable on, on offense, offense, they'll be good. And he pointed that out as well. They yeah. returned so many players that they thought – that's got to be something that's tough, and, and I don't even know if it's like hard, quantifiable, really, to see if that guy – I mean, you knew what you got from him last year. What? How How do you right. get him to at least even just stay the same and, and not backstep a little bit? If they can get him to take a step forward, and then who knows what you got. That's, yeah. that's the problem to me with all these preseason polls and prognostications. and I mean, you can do it in any sport. Uh, like, you know – this year, coming into the season as a Royals fan, everybody's going, well, we know Alex Gordon's going to be better, and Hosmer's going to be better, right. and Mustaka's going to be – these guys are all going to be better. They don't all get better. Some of them get worse. Like, right. last year at this time, nobody knew anything about Demaria Crockett. He has now run for 1,000 yards in the SEC. Every team that plays Missouri is going to game plan. The first thing we're doing is stopping Demaria Crockett. So I'm not going to be very surprised if Demaria Crockett does not have 1,200 yards this year. You know, they're going to have to have other guys. Not that he'll be a worse player, but you can't just automatically assume he's a better player. Right. They're going to need guys like Jonathan Johnson, Emmanuel Hall, uh, some of these – because Jamon Moore is going to be covered closely. Right. I mean, everyone knows that he was a 1,000-yard receiver. So they're going to need those other guys to step out. I, I at running back, I don't know – I guess you bring in somebody else a little bit, or, or yeah. You... I mean, you've still got Ish. You've got Larry Roundtree and Isaiah Miller. I think at least one of those guys plays, and I'm not sure they both won't play. And Nate Strong still around, and I guess more than anything, maybe to 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 allow Demary to run better than he did last year. Is the offensive line has to play even better, which mm-hmm. they played really well last year. I, right. Asking them to play even better, I mean, I'm sure they can I if think you if talk the to offensive coach. Line is as good; they'll be okay. Yeah. With the guys they have returning, the interior line, to see how that settles out, that's probably the most interesting, one of the most interesting, mm-hmm. definitely the most interesting on the offensive side of the and, ball. And I think last year on the line, they had five guys, but you want eight to ten. Right. This year they need eight to ten. The, the other thing on offense, and, uh, it, you know, Barry touched on it a little bit, I look at Drew Locke this year very much as I looked at James Franklin going into his junior year, which obviously was a year delayed because of injuries and all that, but – I, I said, coming out of James Franklin's sophomore year, I said, yeah, he put up 3,500 yards, but he put up 480 one week and 160 the next. Right. You need 320 every week. That's what they need out of Drew Locke. None of this 489 touchdowns against Delaware State and then 110 three picks against LSU. I'll take 280 every week and two touchdowns and one intercept. You give me that every week, you have a chance to win. Right, yeah, and – even in from game to like in a game, he went like the yeah. Georgia first half to the Georgia second half. That was like two totally different players. I, yep. I mean, he, you can't always say it's just the quarterback. There's a lot of things that go into it. I don't know if they decided to change what they were doing on offense a little bit because they were up, or who knows. I don't know. But yeah, if he can get that consistency down, if if the offense can just sustain more drives things like that they they had problems with it they had a lot of three and outs last year um and and it had them at really bad times like i thought that was a really good offense until it had to be really good and then it wasn't very good yeah until the arkansas game right yeah most of the season though i i would agree so it'll be fun to watch that in camp and and see how they they get that going the defense side that's yeah that's it though that's and and the one question that 
I didn't ask because, frankly, I don't ask questions in limited time that I know I'm not going to get an answer to. But I'd be interested to see what you think. Like, we all know the defense was bad. It was bad, like, front to back. But was there, like, one thing that stood out to you? This is why it was at one position or one. Right. I mean, I don't know. To me, in a bad season, their worst position was safety. Like, they've really struggled to find anybody who could do much back there. Yeah, I I remember thinking that it seemed like each position made a mistake on, yeah. or, or, or didn't make a play, I guess would be a better way to put it. Like, at one play and then the next play – a linebacker missed a play, and then a, a cornerback did something. And, yeah, it was kind of – but the safety did stand out a little bit more than everybody else. Just guys not – guys kind of in position, but then never able to make a play or just not even in position sometimes to make a play. So that'll be interesting to see what the, the newcomers they have coming in. I know it sounds like every every defensive back that's coming in, is, and it makes sense that they would considering how it went shot. last year, has a shot to – to play so guys like Jordan Ulmer, um, Josh Bledsoe from from Texas, Adam Sparks and Terry Petrie, Terry Petrie and guys like that are all all going to have a chance to get in the mix here. Um, Christian Christian Holmes and Demarcus Acey kind of held down those top cornerback spots. Okay. Caleb Pruitt coming in. As Caleb Pruitt, yeah. So it it could get a. I know the the two cornerbacks played a, some last year, not a ton, but they were in there. Acey, I think more. Mm-hmm. So. Those guys have a little bit of experience, but there could be a lot of new faces in that defensive backfield, depending on uh, what what hap- shakes out during during August camp. Well, and the thing about defensive football, I remember Gary Pinkle saying this: like on offense, your left guard can totally whiff his block, and your running back can still make a mm. great spin move, or you know your your receiver can run the wrong route, but somebody else can be open, and your quarterback can make a great play. On defense, if you've got one dude out of eleven that does the wrong thing. You're probably hosed. Like you've got to have all eleven guys doing their job on defense, because and watching from the press box, we like to try, but we rarely know. Is it because the the defensive lineman picked the wrong gap? Is it because the the cornerback was playing man and the safety was playing zone? Is it because the safety didn't get over? We don't know, but if there's one guy that doesn't do it, it doesn't work. Right. It's guys out there on the island. They like to call those defensive backs. They. <laughs> Revis Island, yeah. made famous, but you can you can look bad on that island pretty quickly if you don't know what you're doing or if you're not in the right place. Last piece of the team, which we didn't talk about at all with with Coach Odom, and it's it, it's kind of the best of the team and potentially the worst of the team. Like, look, we all know Corey Fatoni's going to be good. Uh, all SEC potential, he's a good punter. No worries there couple worries on place kicks um you know and like look there was no indication really even in doing some of these things I look back at some box scores last year and even early in the season there wasn't really an indication oh man Tucker McCann's in trouble Mm -hmm. first couple weeks he was okay and then all of a sudden Missouri didn't it changes everything you do as a coach when you have no idea if you can make a 22-yard field goal. Yeah, I can't remember what game it was, but he hit like a duck hook mm-hmm. on a field goal, and it seemed like after that it just like got in his head, which as a bad golfer, I know, when you hit a bad shot, yeah. it's sometimes it's hard to shake that. It, uh, it, it, it's, you're exactly right. It's like hitting your drive 35 yards right. off in the right rough, and then all of a sudden you're scrambling the rest of the hole just to make double bogey. 
It, Barry Odom and Josh Heupel were scrambling all season to cover the f- for the fact that they weren't comfortable attempting a 30-yard field goal. Yeah, and, and Tucker's a talented kid. He he boomed field goals all through high school. He's got the leg. Um, it's just a matter of, it seem, seems like, looking up from the outside in, just getting him to be able to focus and, and lock in and, and take advantage of that natural talent that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it, it's the only position on the field that – I just don't think practice matters. Like, you can simulate things. You can play as much music and have guys hooping and hollering and tell a kid that it's a 47-yard field goal Mm -hmm. to win the game, but it's not like trotting out there on Saturday in front of 65,000 people with a 47-yard field goal to win the game. You got to – they just got to be able to – like the diver comparison, I think that – and that's part of the reason people used to – I forget the kid's name now. Jeff Wolford. Yeah, Wolford. I mean, you just – you're up there by yourself. You got to center, pull it together – Take a deep breath and and just do it and and for whatever reason Tucker really struggled with that last year and and I it, if if it happens again this year it doesn't seem like there's a lot of guys back behind well, him ready to step I mean, up a lot of guys well, we just don't know anything yeah. about any of them and but yes yeah, snapper holder kicker the only three places on the field where the only time we pay attention to you is when you don't do well right. you know uh, let's bring it around to to end this on the big picture and Barry addressed it a little bit. And he said, we all understand our window of opportunity here. Um, I I view this, and I've said this, the same way I viewed year two for Kim Anderson. And that was, I don't think there is anything short of legal troubles or NCAA violations or like a complete disaster Mm -hmm. that can get Barry fired after this year. But I'm going to know after this year if it has a chance to work or not. If they're four and eight, like, I don't think he's getting fired, but long-term, it's not going to yeah. work. It wouldn't seem like it. it. Turning it around after back-to-back seasons like that, it would, it would be a huge upward climb. And really climb three and, straight seasons like right, that. Right, yeah, because of Coach Pinkle's last season. It's With the way the schedule sets up and the way everything's going, I mean, this They've is a season they got to take advantage of. They, it's it's right game. there for them. Um, the offense that they have returning, the things you think they have, the the knowns that that are there, it's just it's too much is set up for them to to have a successful season. And if they, yeah, like you said, if they're not able to capitalize on it, it's going to be a big black mark. And I mean, recruits are going to take notice. Years like that, I mean, donors, it's athletic already, directors. <laughs> it's already not sending. It's hard to judge recruiting right now because you don't know what the guys are doing and everything. But the numbers that based off of our systems and how we evaluate players they're already at the I don't know if it's the very they've, bottom right now got they're catch up to yeah they they're in the bottom two or three of the SEC and they have been the last couple of years so if they if they have another season like that they're just going to continue to drop and then it's just becomes something more self-fulfilling prophecy where you can't get you can't get out of your own way you can't it's tough to turn that around well and the thing at a place like Missouri and, and I've always said this like Look, you can be bad at places like Michigan or Alabama or Texas. Like, we've seen it happen. You hire the wrong coach. You screw up some evaluations. You can be bad. It's just so much easier to recover from Mm -hmm. being bad at those places. If you have three straight losing seasons at the University of Missouri, that's really hard to come back from in a short period of time. Right. You're already not on most people's minds because it's just not a a big-time football program. And then – you add that on top of it, and no one's none of the top recruits are gonna. We could talk to every kid at the Rivals Challenge and mm-hmm. Five Star, and they were 
<laughs> none of them would be thinking about Missouri at all. And, and as it is right now, there's only half dozen to 10, I would say, at the most that are even like loosely considering them and less than that that have a, a legit chance. And and Coach Pinkle proved that you don't necessarily have to have those kind of guys to have some right. successful programs, but man, it makes a it a lot easier and you got to have a few of them and and uh, it, it'll be interesting. Coach Coach Odom mentioned that they're in on some big name guys, and they are for the two. That, there's a several, there's a four star offensive lineman. I think at least three of them, maybe four. There's there's some four star running backs, four star linebacker they're in and on, and and things like that. So they're trying to get in with these bigger name guys. Uh, they're still in on Cameron Babb, Michael Thompson, and State Ronnie Perkins is a four star. So we'll see. There's a chance they they just got they got to get that bowl game. They I mean yep. it's yep. you. You had to hey must must do in year two, but it really it really does feel like that. Absolutely. So we got two more months of uh, as Steve Spurrier said, talking season. That's probably the last time we will talk to Barry Odom before uh, Hoover, Missouri goes on July thirteenth, and I'll be down there. We will get a chance to talk to Jim Sturk next Wednesday. There's a small group of uh, media that's going to talk to the athletic director, get just kind of an update on where everything stands. Uh, basketball here in the next couple weeks where you should get a chance to talk to Conzo Martin and uh, some of his newcomers. Are there any any big names there, Brian, that we should talk to, you think? Uh, some guy named Michael Porter Jr. is not bad. Yeah, I've heard of that kid. Uh, okay, so last thing I, I just kind of want to touch on, I, I kind of want to every week we do this, maybe expand this and, and do like one kind of non-Mizzou thing. Look, I watched, I think, six minutes of NBA basketball <laughs> all year. I, I don't care about it. I don't really enjoy it, but the NBA draft is tonight. Markel Fultz is going to be the number one pick. Um, I've never seen him play ever. Neither have I. Uh, like I, I'll be honest, if I had the number one pick, I'd take Lonzo Ball. I think just for the entertainment. Really, no, I think he's really good. Oh, like I, I think he is a. I, I mean, he's a. Darren Fox's think, dad said Darren destroyed him twice. Darren Fox is really good. <laughs> like that dude. Hey, we were talking about Demare Crockett running 21.6 miles an hour. I think De'Aaron Fox dribbles like 31.6 <laughs> miles an hour. But so you got the number one pick. You're is it is it Philadelphia? No, Philadelphia has the they, number one. Yeah, pick. they had the number so one. So you're we know they're taking Fultz. You would take who? Um, it's man, it's so hard to say because I really haven't seen very many of these guys play. Me either. Uh, I. That's the fun part. We I mean, can just throw crap against the wall on the podcast and nobody cares. I think the with Lonzo Ball and Markel Fultz, I not known just I would go with Tatum, honestly. Yeah. I think I just he just seems like he has he maybe doesn't have as high as but he's a consistent guy. He's yeah. not gonna be a bust. I don't right. he's gonna be a super solid guy that plays he's not going to be borderline all-star yeah probably will make some all-star teams a very a guy that you can count on for 10 or 15 years is what it it seems like having talked to him and and just a real solid person now Marco Fultz could be just like that I guess but we have no idea (laughs) I have no idea so also Jason Tatum a very strong advocate for St. Louis style pizza as we learned Uh, on Twitter yesterday (laughs) maybe a reason not to, in a year to pay attention to the NBA draft for Missouri fans. Right, yeah. And I'd I, say there will be. We will watch the NBA season this year because for Missouri fans, it's going to be who's the worst team 
where is Michael Porter Jr. going to end up next year? So uh, one other thing I thought maybe I would do on every podcast at the end, like I see a lot of threads on our board, a lot of things on Twitter. What are some podcasts you listen to? Obviously, you should listen to the Power Mizzou podcast every week. Uh, But I'm going to try to throw one out for you guys every week. Go listen to How I Built This. It's uh, business owner CEOs. It's it's really cool stuff. So check that out. But not until after you listen to Brian and I ramble on for 48 minutes. So uh, thanks for listening. Next week, uh, I don't know. We'll try to be back. We'll yeah, hopefully not quite as early. Not quite as early and not quite as long. But uh, <laughs> if you stuck with us, thanks. You deserve it. You get nothing as a reward. We'll talk to you next week.